Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast.
Let's pray. God, now open our minds and our hearts that we might know and feel. Open our ears that we might hear what you have for us this morning through your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I guess probably the most popular psalm in the entire book of Psalms is Psalm 23. In fact, it is the go-to psalm for funerals. And it has to be the King James Version for funerals, right? It has to say, thy and thine, where it doesn't count, it seems. It is a beautiful psalm for those occasions, good funeral passage, but it's an even better everyday passage. Here's why. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Want. Think about how powerful want is. Economy today is driven by our want. Consumer spending accounts for about 70% of our gross domestic product. That's more than any other country like ours. 10% higher than the previous generation. That means more than ever before, our economy depends on us going out to dinner or taking trips to the store or shopping. Now you have an excuse. To make all this happen, we're encouraged to want to want more, to want nice, to want newer. This means, of course, that we're also aware of what we do not have. So we must go out and get. This is why I think many of us are unhappy. Because we're consumed by what we do not have rather than being content with what we already have. Musical philosopher Sheryl Crow put it this way in one of her songs. It's not having what you want, it's wanting what you've got. Right? I bet we measure ourselves more by what we do not have than by what we actually have. J. Clinton McCann says that at every turn, Psalm 23 promises God's providence and provision, everything we need in this life. It's a good funeral passage. It's an even better everyday passage. Want, lack, the anxiety of not having enough, whatever it is that leads us into the valleys of darkness, through depression, anxiety, fear. Did you know anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults ages 18 and older? That's 18% of our population every year. Anxiety disorders, highly treatable, but only 37% of those suffering get treatment. 
the World Health Organization says one in 13 globally suffers from anxiety, but many do not seek treatment. And depression is the leading cause of disability. Worldwide, almost 75% of people with mental disorders go untreated. Medical diagnosis, prescriptions, all of these tell us on any given day, 25% of people are struggling with some sort of depression. And then add to those, all those who go undiagnosed. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people walking through valleys of darkness. I found that people born in the last five decades are ten times as much or higher to deal with depression than those born in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. Suicide used to be the middle-aged man's answer for living with pain. And now for young people, it's quadrupled. But rates among the Amish, get this, have remained stable. Maybe because of our ever-increasing pace of life and the stresses that build up so quickly that weigh on us, the bad news we get, increased cost of living, our fragmented communities, the unbearable burden of living with all these hurts our soul. Hurts our relationships and our emotions. All that is to say that today in our society and in our churches there are people walking around anxious, depressed, hurting. If you are one of those, you are not alone. You are in the right place this morning. You belong here. Scott Peck and his bestseller, The Road Less Travel, began with this famous first line. You know it, perhaps. Life is difficult. Now, it's famous because on the surface, it sounds pretty obvious. But the truth is, many of us wrestle with this. We struggle to accept it. Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher, argued that in all of us is an element of despair, whether we are consciously aware of it or not. St. Augustine believed that restlessness drives us all for our whole lives. Theologian Paul Tillich argued that the law of religion is the great attempt of man to overcome his anxiety and restlessness and despair. Paul Rock says, feeling blue is the common cold of our human existence, like having a fever that comes and goes. And it's contrast to those times when our fields are greener 
our cups and our tables overflow makes it even more difficult. Ecclesiastes says that woven into our souls is eternity. And yet we live in imperfect, broken, painful world. We live in a beautiful but broken world. Gail Godwin, author of a book, Father Melancholy's Daughter, wrote autobiographically about a daughter whose father was an Episcopal priest whose wife had left him and died in an automobile accident who often went through bouts of depression he called the dark cloud, the black cloud. He took medication? No. Talked with others about it? No. No medication? didn't talk with anyone else about it, perhaps with God. What else is Psalm 23 about if not that when we walk through the valley of darkness, when we feel isolated and separated, we are not alone. We're not alone. The first word of help listed on the sad website says that it can be a great relief to get things off your chest for some people it helps a lot if they know things will be kept confidential students against depression talking about it get this We would not have this psalm, Psalm 23, had David not written it down and made it public. His own walk through the valleys of darkness. We are comforted and encouraged by one who courageously admitted publicly that he walks through valleys of darkness and needs help. I wonder what relief he must have felt penning this confessional, which became a psalm most popular in the entire book of Psalms. What if David had decided his bouts with the valley of darkness was too intimate, too personal, too embarrassing? To share. After all, he was a king, a leader, and who wants a broken leader? Saul Bellow wrote a novel about a poet named Humboldt who has stopped writing poetry. Bellow says this about him unwritten poems were killing him. Unwritten poems were killing him. Could it be true that unvoiced pain kills us? Unprayed sorrows kill us? Thank God David voiced his pain. 
and his hope. So in this broken and beautiful in-between place where we live, scriptures like Psalm 23 help us. Rock says, I memorized these lines years ago, and when I would wake up feeling anxious throughout the night, David's words about the good shepherd would go rolling through my mind. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He restores my soul. And when I visit people in the hospitals and we pray and talk with one another over coffee or there in the room, reminding folks of the promises and truths that we can claim and lean on in times like these, thankful that David penned these words. But there are times there are times when teachings and truths and words and even scriptures lose their ability to help us. A couple that had recently experienced miscarriage encountered a woman who desperately wanted to help them. Very well-meaning when she said, well, you're young, you can have another. That couple was not helped by those words, true as they may have been. There are times when truths, words, teachings, even scriptures may lose their ability to help us. Sometimes the pain and the weariness are such that the most powerful thing we can provide is our presence. Simply our presence. In pastoral care lingo, we call it the ministry of presence. Sometimes telling people what to believe and how to behave does not heal them. Sometimes the most important words are those that are unspoken. Sociologist Parker Palmer, who's a Quaker, they call themselves the friends. Parker Palmer says, when people look upon the church, it's not of first importance that we, they be instructed by our theology or altered by our ethics, but that they be moved by the quality of our life together. That they see how we love one another. There are times when words fall short. Some of the best teachings, the most important words, are the ones that are unspoken. Why do I say that? Notice in this most famous, most popular of Psalms, the Good Shepherd brings such profound and enveloping comfort for us with no words spoken. Sometimes he speaks. In this psalm, there are no words spoken. The Lord says nothing. And yet he makes me lie down. He leads. He is with. 
He comforts, he prepares, he anoints, and he dwells with me. Present. Without words. Can be healing. Toni Morrison wrote a novel called Beloved. The main character in her novel is a former slave named Setha. She escaped the plantation, ran for miles barefooted, and finally, over this rugged terrain, she collapsed. She was found by a girl named Amy. Amy gave her some help. She took Setha's feet into her hands and began to massage them. Later, she used some words. She said, it's going to hurt now, but anything dead coming back to life hurts. Years ago, a close friend of mine was struggling in a valley of darkness. Deep depression, debilitating anxiety, was hurting. Had a counselor, a doctor, medication. Things got worse. Quit his part-time church position. Struggled to be effective at his full-time job. Took days off. Left work early. Was fragile and hurting. One day he gave me a call. From work. Can you take me home? I said, be there in 10 minutes. Drove up. Got in my car. Closed his eyes. And we drove without a word spoken, quietly. He didn't need me to fix him or to pep him up. He needed to be accepted. He needed me to be there for him and to know simply that he was not alone. That's it. How often do we pray to God for help? Desperately needing a word and we don't hear it. Pastor, I know now praying for God to hear his prayer. He said to me, I've not heard a word from God. Begging God for help through deeply painful period. A college friend of mine said he went through valley of darkness himself. Staring up at the ceiling of his tiny college house. He said, I didn't see my ceiling. I saw this void of darkness. I couldn't see God. A few months later, sitting in his first seminary class, spiritual formation, among strangers, he began to share his story. He told the class of his recent struggle to hear God. Where was God? And 
He dropped his face into his hands. He was in tears among these strangers. The professor got up, walked over to where he was, and simply put his hands on his shoulders. That student said, I recalled the words from Psalm 23. He makes me lie down. He leads. He is with. He comforts. He prepares. He anoints. He dwells with me. Spoke not a word, but provides. 23rd Psalm is a good funeral psalm. I think it's an even better everyday psalm. Most famous of psalms, the Good Shepherd brings profound comfort, apparently without words. No other psalm we turn to in the times of darkness. And death, then Psalm 23. You may be one of those fortunate people doesn't ever wrestle with depression, anxiety, or valleys of darkness. But you know somebody who is. Someone wrestling with the blues or the black cloud good chance someone in your family is or in this room he's important for us for them to know God is aware that God knows the good shepherd is there with the sheep who are lost or feel lost with those who are having a hard time keeping it, with those who are walking through the deep valleys in the darkness. Beliefs and behaviors rarely heal hearts. But belonging does. Presence does. With. With. Pray with me, please. God, you have memory of each one of us having been through one of those valleys. And here we are. Brought through by the help of friends and family, words of encouragement, and maybe blessings where we didn't see you or hear you. They were there. Still waters, green pastures. God, for those who are struggling through this valley, we pray. Stay with them. Give us a sense of compassion and care to be with them. Bring us through 
set us on greener pastures, refreshed and restored. Be with us, we pray in Christ. Amen.
Thanks for tuning into They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Baltimore Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Please like, review, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. If you have any questions, please submit them through the Anchor app. Or join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. right in our own Broadmoor Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Otherwise, I hope you have a good week.